0: Like that song, those old choruses talk about praising God. Hosanna, blessed be the Rock. Um, that first one we did. All all these the both courses tonight were about praising the Lord, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight is worship again. Um, y'all can be seated for a minute. Uh, the last time I taught was on a Sunday morning, just a few weeks ago. And I taught about Pentecostal worship. And um, I didn't get done, so I'm going to talk about it again tonight. But I told the Lord this week, I feel I feel convicted in my heart um, that every time if the Lord will help me, every time that I get up to teach, if the Lord will help me to remember, I'm going to remind everybody, that Jesus is coming soon, and if you're not right with God, now's the time to get right. Don't wait. Don't wait. Things are unraveling so fast. Get right. Make sure your family's right. Do everything you can to make your, sure that your family is ready to meet God because He's coming back. So if the Lord will help me, every time I get up to to teach. I'm going to remind you of that because I feel like we're we're living so close to the coming of the Lord. I feel like it's even at the door. It's I told somebody it's it's on my mind. I go to bed with it, I get up with it. I feel that urgency in my spirit. So now is the time for us to make sure we're right with God. Um you know I want us to read a scripture, Exodus 23 through 5, and I'd like for you to stand for just that reading, please. And you can uh, read it with me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That's We can stop there. Thank you, and you can be seated. Since the beginning of time, people of every tongue and every nation have recognized and worshipped a perceived higher power. They may not know, Who that power is, but they know there's one. This still holds true today. The act of worship is the rule and not the exception in the human existence. The question is not will they worship, but rather who and how will they worship? So, who do you worship? What do you worship? Idols today are not necessarily little statues we keep in our closet that we bow down to. But they exist nonetheless. Money, success, sports, beauty, pleasure, the list is endless. To idolize something is to love it to excess which is a form of worship. And let me just say that if, any, if you love anything so much that you let it keep you from coming to church or spending time with God and reading the Word of God, that's an idol. That's idol worship. That's wrong. The Bible says he that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's a sin. It's not time for us to slack off and play games and be carnal. This world is wrapping up. So you better know who you worship and what you worship. There is only one being worthy of worship, and that is God. John four twenty three and 24. This is Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. He says, an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I've I've looked for the meaning of that scripture many times. What does it mean to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? And so we have to understand at this time, Jesus is speaking to a woman. And up until this point, the only kind of worship that they knew about was going to the temple and the priest offering the sacrifices. And it was very ritualistic, traditional. They had their traditions. But here's Jesus saying the Father seeks true worshipers. In other words, not just those that go through the motions. Now, there are th- literally thousands of people that go to church on Sundays in America. But are they all true worshipers? Or are they just going through the motions? I love what I found in the Adam's Adams adam clark's commentary it says worship must be of a spiritual nature it must spring from the heart through the influence of the holy spirit spirit and it must be in truth not only in sincerity but performed according to that divine revelation which he has given men of himself there's a lot of people that are sincere but they're sincerely wrong sincerity won't save anybody we have to worship God's way and we have so many examples in the Bible of people that tried to do it differently offer strange fire and and God struck them dead now we're living in a different day but God still has a form of worship that is acceptable to him and that is in spirit and in truth A man worships God in spirit when under the influence of the Holy Spirit he brings all his affections, appetites, and desires to the throne of God and he worships him in truth when every purpose and passion of his heart and when every act of his religious worship is guided and regulated by what? The word of God. So if you say, I worship God, but you're not living up to his word, then you don't really mean it. With God, it's all or nothing. We're in or we're out. We're hot or cold. If we're lukewarm, he's going to spew us out of his mouth. This lesson will focus on the different methods of physical expression in worship. But it's not enough to learn methods Mechanical worship does not exalt the Lord. That's exactly why Jesus Christ condemned the Jewish form of worship. They just went through the rituals with no thought of God. How many times have I been guilty of coming to a church service and being tired and sitting there thinking, Oh, God, I'd be so glad when I can go home and go to bed. I'm guilty. John Ellen is too. Praise God. And a saint. <laughs> she raised her hand. But, you know, we, we've all done it. We drag ourselves to church, and sometimes we don't even want to be here. And uh, we just waiting for it to be over. But for worship to be acceptable to God, it must come from the heart. And love for God must be the motivation. Now, <gasps> This is what Matthew Henry's commentary says. I love this explanation of worship in spirit and in truth. This is what Matthew Henry says. To worship God in spirit is not in ceremonial observances of the Mosaic institution, which was cold and methodical. Listen. But Christian worship, Christian, you know, after Jesus came, we were first called Christians. Christian worship will be animated and invigorated with divine power and energy. Huh? Don't you love that? Animated and invigorated. I love that kind of worship. He says to worship in truth means his truth will be in our inward parts. See, we're so blessed because we can receive the Holy Ghost. We don't have to go to a temple per se. We are the temple. God lives in us. He has taken our heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And it makes our worship all the more meaningful. Matthew Henry says to worship in truth means his truth will be in our inward parts. Because of the new birth, we have a new nature which enables us to worship God with fixedness of thought, fixedness of thought and a flame of affection. We love God and he loves us and we feel that love in our, the details of our everyday life, because he's there. He, said, he goes on to say, God is greatly well pleased. Now, that's, that's a lot of adjectives there. God is greatly well pleased with and graciously accepts such worship and such worshipers. I don't know about you, but I want God to accept my worship. I want it to be acceptable unto him. I want it to be from my heart. I want, to, I want to be fixedness of thought and have a flame of affection for God and be animated and invigorated in my worship. Speaking is the most sophisticated way we have of revealing what's on our mind. The last lesson I taught on worship, I spent a good portion of the lesson talking about our voice. Amazing how the voice works. Amazing that... Our voices are unique, just like our fingerprints. Nobody, There's no duplicates. How does God do that? So it's an incredible instrument that God has given us to use in order to worship him. So we talk. We talk a lot. But do you know talking can be a form of worship when we verbalize God's greatness to others or to God himself? How many times have you worshipped God telling him how great he is and how wonderful things he's done in your life? Sometimes I just go down the list. I'll say, God, remember when you did this? You are so awesome. And you, you remember, you remind the Lord that you haven't forgotten so we talk talking talking is a form of worship. Psalm 71:24 says, "My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long." I'm going to talk about the Lord all day long. We need to do that at home with our kids, with the people we work with. I know that's kind of limited sometimes. I was at the hospital yesterday visiting uh sister mary smith and um i was waiting for the elevator and these ladies were sitting over there by the windows talking and one lady said well praise the lord i don't know what she was telling her and i just the the door opened but i wanted to run over there and say well praise the lord sister i like that but i want to be like that in public places not ashamed to say praise the lord oh thank god And by the way, Mary had that surgery yesterday, which she had the first surgery, August the 1st, and she came out from that surgery in worse shape than she was when she went in. So she's been in pain all this time, severe pain. Finally, her blood pressure was going up and her heart rate was going up, and uh, the home health nurse said, you need to go to the ER. Well, the doctors at San Jacinta did another MRI, and they found fragments of bone pushing on a nerve in her back, which the other doctor had said, there's nothing there. They And I told her, I said, we prayed Sunday and we, I, we said, Lord, when she comes out of this surgery, let her know immediately that she's got relief. And you know what? God answered prayer. She's got relief and she's gone home. Praise God. Praise God. Shouting is an expression of extreme joy and excitement now i can remember a time in my life when i must have been shouting at ken and my husband because with within a week or two of each other without the other one knowing it they said mom when you talk to me that way i feel like you're screaming at me you're mad at me and i was just i said no i'm just trying to get my point across so I, I try not to scream at them anymore. <laughs> I try to watch my tone of voice. But, but shouting is an expression of extreme joy and excitement. Psalm 47.1 says, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You know, that's why when sometimes, like when Brother Myers is preaching, woo, I just can't, can't help but say, Hallelujah! Praise God! Amen! Yes, because you want to shout with a voice of triumph because what they're saying is truth. It's the word of God. It's edifying. Singing is another way to worship God. Now, tonight, we, I hope y'all were singing with us on those songs. I thought you were because it felt pretty good. I uh, thought I heard some clapping, you know, and some singing. But that's a form of worship. The Psalms tells us repeatedly, sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Um, what's that scripture? It says, um, Come before his pre- serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with, with singing in your private devotion time. You can, you can spend time singing to the Lord. I've got songs I love to sing to the Lord. We also find a lot of singing in the New Testament. Now, this is just one example, but you know the story of Paul and Silas. They're thrown in prison. The doors are locked. They're in chains. They have a guard. And what do they do? At midnight... I hate it when my phone goes off at midnight wakes me up like it did last night. Um, At midnight, they start singing praises to God, and the Bible says they sang loudly. They sang loud praises to God, and all the prisoners heard them. And all of a sudden, there was an earthquake. And all the doors flew open and all the chains fell off the prisoners and the jailer was going to kill himself. And, and, and Peter said, wait a minute, wait. Um, no, Paul and Silas, it was Paul. He said, don't do it, don't do it. Um, we're all here. And he was able to witness to the jailer and, and he was converted with his whole family because of that. Just because they were singing and they were there in a dungeon prison chained. How so much more should we sing? And, and, but if you're in a bad situation and you're going through a trial and you're heavy hearted, maybe you ought to try singing. Just singing. Make melody in your heart to the Lord and it might lift you out of that, that dark hole. That's a form of worship. Music and singing play a vital role in our worship services. The singers and musicians are not up here to entertain y'all. They're leading us in worship. And I, and I know that the, the singing has changed through the years. Now, when I first got in church, almost everything we did was out of a hymn book. And I mean, it was foot stomping, hand clapping, singing, tearing it up. I mean, nobody knew parts or anything like that. Some people did, they harmonized. But I mean, it was just, they would rare back and sing. And it wasn't polished. You know, but we did have choirs and later we did get real sophisticated and we hired a music director, Lanny Wolf. He was he was pretty good. But music has changed a lot in the churches, but we don't have song books, but we put the words on the screen because we want you to sing. We don't get up there and sing to entertain you or to impress you with our, our talent. That's not why we're up there. We are leaders in worship. And when you come to church, if you will open your mouth and sing, not even if you don't have a good singing voice like me, you know, you can make a joyful noise into the Lord. But it is amazing what can happen to you when you begin to worship the Lord in music and in song. You need to be a participant. Peter, not a spectator in the worship service. Now years ago back in Jackson when I had the children's choir, <laughs> we, um, I had a little boy that was probably about eight years old that was going to sing the lead. His name was Jeremy Ken I don't know if you I don't remember his last name. And he was going to sing the lead on one of our choir songs, and I asked him to testify before he sang. <laughs> A lot of times I would let the kids testify. It was so cute. They were so sincere. But this little boy, he he said, gave his little testimony, and then he said, y'all worship me while I sing. <laughs> you know how people say, worship with me while I sing? Well, he got it confused. Worship me while I sing. But we're not up there for y'all to worship us while we sing. (laughs) We're trying to lead you in worship. Music is powerful, it sets a certain atmosphere or mood. And anointed singing has a way of ministering powerfully to the emotions. I've seen a lot of people be touched through a song when they wouldn't be touched through the preaching. And we need preaching. Preaching is good. We, we've got to have it to be saved. But sometimes in a, in a song that it just strikes a chord with a person and it touches their emotions and the, the tears start to flow or you start to get joy in the Lord and you want to pick your feet up a little bit. And so it, it affects people. But you know what? People are also moved when they see you moved and responding to the music. People that come into the congregation show, so you all have a job. There's nobody here tonight that's a visitor. You're all church members, and it's your responsibility to come into the house of God with your mind determined, this time is my time I've set aside to come and worship God, and I'm going to give it my all. I don't care if there's five people there or 500 I'm going to give it my all. I don't care if everybody around me is not worshiping, sitting there like a bump on a log. I'm going to give my best. It's your responsibility because you don't know who's going to walk in and be touched by your response to the service, not to mention what it does for you. I'll never forget how the music of the Pentecostal church impacted me as a child. That's probably why I'm in church today. It drew me like a magnet. But I love music. But there was something about that music that I had never felt before. And throughout my lifetime, now, when Brother Wolf came and we we had the college there and the choir, of course, I was in most all the choirs, the school choir and the church choir. But when the choir would sing, Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's been times that the the sound of it was so magnificent and heavenly that I, I've honestly felt like I was going to be raptured right there. Um, music is so powerful. And do you know why it's so powerful? Because God created it. It comes from God. And for those of you that are musicians, you'll relate to what I'm talking about. But when you hear all the complex chord combinations, Brother Brokaw, the harmony, even the dissonance, the unlimited melodic creations, think about it. How many songs have been written? They're all different. It's a stunning concept. How did this happen? Who invented the musical scale? Who made major chords and minor chords? God did. Now, did you know that the number seven is God's perfect number? There are seven days in a week. There are seven colors of the spectrum and in the rainbow. The entire Bible is divided into seven major divisions. You get the picture? I could go on and on and on how God uses the number seven over and over and over and over in the scripture. But guess what? The musical scale has seven notes. Ah, Is that awesome or what? I just love it. Why seven? Why not ten or twelve? But There's seven. And it's perfect. We've got every note we need to make every chord possible. God has created everything, and everything has an order to it. And long before God created humans, he created an angelic host that had musical ability. Isn't that just awesome? Music has always been here. Then there's Lucifer, you know, who was... The most beautiful angel there was. And he had outstanding musical ability. In fact, he's described in terms as if he is an orchestra of musical instruments. They said, the Bible says, talks about his pipes. You know, like a pipe organ. Talks about his pipes. He was like a musical instrument. And he got lifted up and he got proud. And that's why musicians have to be very careful about our ego and about, the boy, I played good today. Next time I'll mess up so bad I won't even know where middle C is. So it's a good thing the Lord didn't give me a good singing voice because y'all would get sick of hearing me sing because my children got <laughs> sick of hearing me sing. I sang to them a lot. Oh, poor things, but... Anyway, musical instruments is a form of worship. Psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. But the King James says, play skillfully with a loud noise. I love it when it's loud. Play skillfully, yes. So we're supposed to practice and learn and take lessons and all that stuff and try to do our best for God because we need to do our best for God no matter what we do. Let's read Psalm 150 together. Okay, before we do this, Tyler and Ken, do y'all remember in Jackson when Brother Craft used to make us sing the scripture? Praise ye the Lord. He would lead us. Praise God in his sanctuary. Y'all remember that? I bet you can still sing that song too. You want to come sing it for us? <laughs> I want everybody to stand up. And we're not going to sing it, but we're going we're to read Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him with, for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Too bad I'm not done. Sit down. (laughs) Fooled you. Yes, I'm not done. My husband sure was hoping I was. <laughs> he was on his way up here. Those kids are still in practice, so let me finish. But one of these days, I'm going to teach y'all to sing that. Because, like, I used to work with children all the time, and they say, Sing it, you'll never forget it. That's a great way to learn the Word of God, is to sing it. That song, both of those songs we sang tonight come directly from Scripture. Oh, magnify the Lord. Okay? So, musical instruments, choirs. Did you know that many of the Psalms, many, many of them, have a heading under the chapter number that says, To the Choir Director. Did y'all know that? I love that. And not only that, sometimes it'll say, To the Choir Director on stringed instruments to the choir director for flute accompaniment. I just love that. Oh, excuse me. Because I'm so glad that God gave us music. Music is so wonderful, and I love to worship God with music and with instruments. Now... I'm sure that King David organized some choirs in his day because I know when they had Solomon's temple, they had choirs. But um, in the book of Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah gets word, that he's, he's, he's a captive in another land, he's serving the king, and he gets word that the walls of J- Jerusalem, the wall is down and the gates are burned with fire. And he just mourned and wept and fasted and prayed. And God made a way for him to go rebuild the walls. Well, after he got there, he had all kind of opposition. But the the, the word says the people had a mind to work. And they worked with one hand and had a sword on, on their other hand. You know, because people kept coming against them and trying to hinder the work of God. But finally, the wall is completed the gates are up, and it's time to dedicate it to the Lord. So everybody's excited. And, you know, the walls were so thick, it was like a road on top of the wall. They they, they drove chariots and stuff on top of the wall. So, so at the dedication, Nehemiah organizes two choirs. Guess what they're called? Thanksgiving choirs. I love that. Thanksgiving, that's all they did was give thanks to the Lord in song. So one went to the right on top of the wall, followed by the leaders of the people, and then the priest followed with trumpets. I mean, they were celebrating. Then on the other side, the other Thanksgiving choir went to the right, no, to the left, um, followed by Nehemiah and all the people. And then they met together at the temple where the the Bible says the choir sang loudly with their director, Jezrahiah. They had a director. They all rejoiced, including the women and children, and the sound of their rejoicing was heard afar off. I love choir. But there's two things I want to tell y'all that to me is so interesting. Um, I told you about the the missionary to Turkey that was in prison for two years, and President Trump just got him out a year ago. He helped get him released and get him back home, Andrew Brunson. But while he was in prison, a lot of time he was in solitary confinement, and there was a point there that he thought he was going to lose his mind. And he didn't want to lose his faith in God, but he was so confused about why God was allowing him to stay in prison, you know. And he was he was getting really, really low, and um, of course he was losing a lot of weight because he didn't get much to eat and didn't get much physical exercise. It just it was a bad, bad deal. But one night while he was sleeping, he didn't know if he was having a dream or if he had a vision, but he said. He 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 started hearing all this beautiful music. He told his wife, he said, I, "I can't even describe it. It was it was so many instruments and the harmony, and it was indescribable. I've never heard anything like it." And from that point on, he knew God was with him, and that encouraged him. Um, <clears throat> I just think it's so incredible that the Lord let him hear beautiful heavenly music that we can't even imagine what it's going to be like Kristen. i can't wait it's going to be fantastic but then my best friend sister penny watkins whom you know her brother who who he did not he backslid at a young age probably in his teens or early 20s did not live for the lord his whole life until the the last year which he didn't know it was his last year. But he, finally, he's in his 60s and he decides to get back. and It's time to get back in church. He gets back in church. He doesn't miss a service. He's gung ho. He's in all the way. He's loving God. So happy to be back in church. And in six months, he got he got sick and they diagnosed him with cancer. And like within three months, he was dead. But while he was in hospice care, he was in and out of consciousness, and he it was days before he died. One day he asked his wife, he said, he said, um, whatever her name is, he said, are we in church? And she said, no, Bill, we're at home. Why? He said, I hear choir singing. <laughs> he heard choir singing. So I hope the Lord lets me go like that to hear choir singing. But isn't that just so awesome about God? Okay, another way that we can worship the Lord is just by laughing. Laughing, being cheerful and happy. Um, How many of you have ever seen somebody get a laughing blessing? How many of you have ever had a laughing blessing? I've had one, one. You know, I think the reason we don't see that much anymore is because people don't tarry at the altar like they used to. Because I know when it happened to me, we had been praying, Brother Myers, in the prayer room after church for, seemed like hours, till I was worn slap out. And somebody came over and was praying for me, and I thought, I've prayed so much, I can't pray anymore. And from my belly, I started. I started laughing and just it was just a deep belly laugh and I laughed and I the more I laughed, the more it hurt, and the more I wanted to laugh. And it felt that's what it felt like rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. That's what it, it was. And I think the reason that we don't experience things like that anymore is because we don't tarry. We come in here, we want church to be over in an hour, we're out the door, we're gone. I'm wanting God to restore some of the Pentecostal worship back to the church. Apostolic worship, apostolic power, apostolic faith, apostolic boldness. We need it, and I want it, because as the world gets darker, we need to be brighter and brighter, shining with the glory and the presence of God. So, you know, Martin Luther said, if you're not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. But, you know, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible about laughter. I'm going to read you one, Psalm 126. It says, When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Sometimes, When we're down here in the front and we're joining hands and we're jumping around and laughing and and praising the Lord, it's because somebody just got the Holy Ghost or somebody got a good blessing or we're just happy, rejoicing in the Lord. It's okay to laugh in church. Sometimes Brother Grant makes us laugh because he's funny. It's okay to laugh. Speaking in tongues is another way we worship God. Don't worry, I'm almost done. 1 um, Corinthians fourteen thirty nine. Paul speaking says, Forbid not to speak in tongues. The scripture plainly teaches that not only is speaking in tongues the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, it's also what happens when we pray in the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says to pray in the Spirit, in other words, pray in tongues, where you may not understand what you're saying. Your spirit understands. You know what you're saying in your mind, but it's coming out in a different language. It says pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding. It also says sing in the spirit. Have you ever heard somebody sing in tongues? I have. Many times in the old days. Sister Frazier, different ones. And it was beautiful. Um... It says, sing in the spirit and sing with understanding. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural God-given utterance given to a person caught up in praise and worship. So, you know, the Bible doesn't say, get up every day and pray till you speak in tongues. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you have to do it again after you do it the first time. But if you have a consistent prayer life and you really get down in prayer, and you tarry in prayer, you're going to speak in tongues again. And that edifies your prayer life. And, and I know praying in the Spirit, sometimes I'll pray in tongues. And what about ministering one to another? There's been times people have come to me and prayed in tongues, and then they've started telling me in English things that there's no way they could know. And, and I'm just in awe of God. God's used me like that to minister to somebody else. So speaking in tongues is a form of worship. Lifting of hands. We sang that song tonight, I lift up my hands. That's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of reaching for God. Psalm 134 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. That's why we lift our hands up. Clapping of hands. When we clap, when you, you applaud somebody, it's because you like what they said, they like like you approve, you agree, we clap, we give them a standing ovation sometimes. We clap unto God because we show, we're we showing our approval. We're saying, amen. That's what we, when we say amen, that means we, yes, I agree. I approve of what you're saying. Amen. Standing. We stand in honor. And that helps us stay alert and at attention. That's why we stand sometimes for the reading of the word, because we honor the word of God by standing in attention. That's a, that's a form of worship. Dancing is a Pentecostal tradition. Psalm 149 says, Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure when we dance before him. Hey, I dance at home all the time when nobody's looking. I'll come up here in the prayer room. I'll dance all the way over to the men's side and back over to the ladies. Nobody's there to watch. Just doing it for Jesus. And it just lifts my spirit. And, ooh, I start feeling the Holy Ghost sometimes. And then then I start praying things that I didn't even know was going to come out of my mouth. Because you get lost in in God's presence. And and, um, all these things are so important, so important. A lot of people feel like dancing is extreme and out of place, but you know it should be done decently and in order. Never should be provocative. It should never be dangerous to where somebody gets hurt, you know, get wild. In the old days, I mean, women would. I've seen a lot of people get hurt, really, physically hurt. Ruth, you have to. So that that's not honoring to God, but to be to dance, you know, and dance. Brother Grant says, dance with your eyes open. If you're going to dance, dance with your eyes open, please. So that we used to say, oh, they were dancing in the spirit. But you know what? I couldn't find that anywhere in the Bible where it says dance in the spirit. It says sing in the spirit and pray in the spirit. But it didn't find dance in the spirit. When you dance and you in the flesh, you may be doing it to worship God, but it's not like God's taking you and you have no control over your body, just flinging you everywhere, okay? But Christian worship will be animated and invigorated, right? With divine power and energy. Bowing and kneeling is a gesture of honor, submission, or appreciation. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Church attendance. Just coming to church is an act of worship. Just because you came tonight, it's an act of worship. You're saying, God, you are a priority to me. I'm going to take this time, and while I'm there, I'm going to concentrate on you. I'm going to fix my thoughts on you, whatever it said. Fix the thought, and I'm going to... Approach you with emotion, affection, affection. Ties and offerings is, is a form of worship. Even though we're commanded to give, it's, the scripture says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And when you give of your money, your time, and your energy to God with a cheerful heart, that is worship. And you will never outgive God. You don't give to receive back. But it never fails. We have experienced it more times than I could even count of God returning to us something we tried to give. So you give it with a good intention, and, and that's an act of worship. Preaching is worship. Preaching is fundamental to worship. It helps the church understand better understand the God they worship, and the preacher delivers the word, and what does the church do? The church responds to the word. Don't sit there like a knot on a log. Respond to the word. And then prayer is worship. And you should pray privately and you should pray corporately with with the church because it's powerful when we all are in unity and we pray together. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator when it's when they call for prayer, when we pray for prayer requests, pray for those sick people as if it was your family, as if it was your child. Don't stand there and yawn your way through and say, Oh, my God, they've already prayed for that person. Why are we doing it again? <laughs> okay? It's okay if we do it. We repeat. Communion is the Lord's Supper. That's a form of worship. But the fact is, God-honoring worship is infectious. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, right? When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move among, among the worshipers, lives are changed, burdens are lifted, and purposes are renewed. I hope we never lose the heartfelt, spontaneous worship in this church. I love it when people step out in the aisles and the people start praying so much that the preacher can't even preach. God preaches. And we don't need that to happen every service because we need the word. We need instruction. We need correction, reproof, and all of that. But I love it that our pastor will allow that to happen. True worship cannot be coerced. We're not going to get up here and be, be cheerleaders and try to coerce y'all to do something. Somebody needs to get out in that aisle and shout now. We're not moving until somebody. No, we're not going to do that here. We're not going to do it because true worship cannot be coerced. But it's a beautiful sight to behold when people begin to respond to worship of their own accord and to see the wonderful things that happen when the Spirit of God just takes over. Let's stand and worship the Lord in the conclusion of this service. Lord, we lift our hands to you tonight. We reach out to you, God. We worship you, God. We could never put into words all the wonderful things that you have done for us. We are amazed at your majesty, your greatness, your awesomeness, God, and, and just your wisdom and the things that you have made available to us. And God, I pray for this church in particular, Lord, this local assembly. God, help us to become a red-hot revival church, God, like the book of Acts. Restore to your people, God, a hunger and a desire for the things of God. Lord, don't let our focus be blurred or let us be distracted from the purpose and the fact that you are coming again and you're coming soon. And we've got to be ready. Lord, help us today. Help us today, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. To worship you with all of our hearts, God, so that our children can see that we love God and that God makes a difference in our lives and that they would want to know the God of their fathers. In Jesus' name, we ask you to help us. Thank you. For giving us freedom in this country Lord to be able to come to church to be able God to proclaim your truth and to stand on your word Lord to live for you without fear of having to give our lives and that is quickly changing in this country Lord that is quickly changing our our liberties and things are being taken away God we don't know what the future holds but we know who holds the future and we want to be ready to meet you God with whatever we have to face in the future help us God God, to be full of the Holy Ghost and be prepared and to stay living right with you, God, because we know that's the safest place to be. And we love you and thank you for this time tonight, Lord, to worship in your presence. Go with each one of us tonight, Lord. Help us this week, Lord, to every day to take time to worship you because you are worthy and we love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen.